Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast, the podcast for special needs. Each week on the podcast, we talk about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In a world where there is less guidance, less money, more demand and continual changes, teachers, SENCOs, leaders, and in reality, all staff in schools need a way to keep up that fits in with their lives and the SENCAST is the answer. And it's also a great way to get parents on board as well. In this episode, my guest is Dr. Susie Nyman. Susie is the curriculum manager at the Sixth Form College in Farnborough. She has spent her teaching career really looking at how people learn and adapting her teaching to support all pupils. And in this episode, we're discussing with some props how children with SEN don't fit into boxes and are more like cocktails. Lots of little bits mixed together. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B-Squared. And over the last 25 years, B-Squared have supported schools to support students with SEND. Over the last few years, we have diversified. For years, we have focused on assessment. This will always be the heart of B-Squared, showing the progress for pupils with SEND. But we really have seen a lack of high quality, easy to access training and CPD for schools around SEND. Sometimes the SENCOs will get training, but actually the entire school need Training. Our online CPD offering, Training for Education, started three years ago with the virtual SEND conference, but now includes a range of training courses as well as our conferences. You can find out more about our conferences and training courses by going to the Training for Education website, which is www.trainingforeducation.com. At the end of the episode, I'll be sharing an exclusive discount code for you, so please keep listening. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing how cocktails can be used as a metaphor for children with this SEN. My guest is the amazing and the one and only Dr. Susie Nyman, the curriculum manager at the Sixth Form College, Farnborough. She is passionate about discovering how children learn and supporting them in ways which enable them to succeed. She has provided training to PGCE students at King's University and a number of local schools and colleges on teaching strategies. She also delivers talks on multi-sensory techniques around the world. Welcome to the show, Susie. Thank you very much, Dale. I'm really excited today to talk about inclusive learner cocktails with Dale, Susie, and of course, Percy Pig. So I, I love your topic, Susie, because I never know what to expect. I've got told that Susie wants to come on here and talk about cocktails. And yeah, so we are discussing the similarities between cocktails and children with SEN, aren't we? We are. We are today. And yeah, I went in the charity shop and I found this book. Peaky Blinders, the cocktail book. And I went through the book and I just sort of put post-it notes on it and I found Vendetta and I thought, oh, that reminds me of someone. And then I turned the page and I found Red Horse. I thought, oh, I know who that reminds me of. And a Birmingham Sour and an Easy Dizzy. So we thought we'd just go through a few of them and link them to students with SEN and how they learn, if that's okay with you, Dale. And not only did Susie bring her cocktail book. She also bought her cocktail making kit as well. Because Susie doesn't turn up with just Susie. There is always something with Susie. Well, why not? <laughs> but that's the thing with Susie. Susie does multi-sensory teaching techniques. So you just get to listen to me and Susie having fun. Whereas I am here watching the Susie show 
And it is, it's an absolute hoot. It always is. If you haven't heard a Susie episode before, the first one we talked about your shower curtain with hearts on. Yeah. You've made a digestive system out of balloons live on the podcast. I have. We've had icebergs. Yes. And now it's cocktails. Excellent. I can't wait. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> Why not start with the most important drink? And that's water. Hang on, wait a minute. Brilliant. Just pour in the water in the cocktail shaker. I'll, yeah, I'll give it a stir. There we go. Let's put the lid on. Give it a shake. Lovely. So just water. Oh my goodness, what student will be just water? Well, I've got plain Jane. Plain Jane says to me, Susie, I don't do PowerPoints. All I do is white revision cards with a black pen. And that's how I learn. So, so some students don't want to use um, colour, but write out their notes with a black pen or white paper. Her mother tells me and she tells me it's because she's got a photographic memory and she just remember all that information. And she'll go over and over and over it and practice the spellings of the words on the revision cards and use the waste paper bin method whereby you write it three or four times and then chuck it away. Now, over the years, I love playing Inspector Clouseau. And sometimes in your class, you look at the back and you find Notebook Nora, who is sitting there writing copious notes about things that she can stitch you up with. But she might be writing down some scientific terminology or biological processes. So you just have to look out for Notebook Nora. Now, a few years ago, I actually had a girl who was really, really difficult in one of the classes. She wasn't actually in my class. And we used to call her spicy. And what she did was she used to really annoy the other teacher and she used to throw her out in the corridor all the time. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've got you next year. I've got to put up with you. She might be a fiery sort of student. So I've called her Red Horse. <laughs> fiery sort of person. And she had ADHD, difficult to handle and dyslexia. So what did I do? Well, what I did was, I actually, I'm just gonna pour this one here, just in the glass here, Dale, just in case, you know, you get a bit thirsty. There we go. So here we go, fiery sort of student. I actually got hold of her and I said, what's going on here, red horse? And she sat there, arms crossed like this, Close posture, legs crossed. I said, come on, what's going on? She wouldn't uncross her legs and arms. And I said, I'll give you 10 minutes. I've got plenty of time. So she undid her arms and she undid her legs. And then I said, why do you keep misbehaving? Why do they keep throwing you out of class? I said, wait a minute. I'm just going to test something. And I took it to my computer and I gave her lots of different colour backgrounds. And I found out that the one that she could work with best was green. We discovered she had dyslexia. She didn't know she had dyslexia. She couldn't understand why she was using the computer and the words were all moving around the page. We put a green black background on there and she started to behave. It was amazing. She behaved for the whole year. She was like a puppy. And all it was was, as we said before, give her some time 
and find out why she's not coping. And then she did from then on. It's, re- it's really hard. I mean, if you're an adult and you go, my knee hurts. Okay, so you know what your knee is and you know what pain is, so you know your knee hurts. Oh, I can't see out of my right eye. So you obviously you could, but now you can't. So when you're in, it's easy to know what you know. It's easy to draw your experience. But when you don't know or you think, whatever, well, this happens to everyone else, I can't cope with it. It's into, it, you don't know what you don't know. And it's quite hard for these children to explain this or that. And yeah, I do think, because it's amazing when you see my, my daughter had a, I can't remember what it was called, but it was where I think the nose wasn't pulled out or something. And it made her look like she was slightly cross-eyed. And it, because the nose hadn't pulled out. So there was skin was wider, nose of the bridge of the nose. So it looked like there was more, there was less white space between the pupil and the center of the pupil. It looked like she, she wasn't. And I, but she was like a couple of months old and they were doing an eye test. I'm going, what, she's going to put her hand over her eye and go. What lesson can you read on the chart? <laughs> yeah, like, she's six months, months old. old. <laughs> it was like, how? And we went out and they, um, they had an eye test for babies. And it was basically, basically it was 3D tricks. So it was a, basically a piece of glass with, what is it, with a ball on it. And if you saw it with both eyes, it would look like a ball. A child would reach for it. But if they could only see it not clearly, they wouldn't reach for it. They had lots of things like that. And my daughter would reach for it. And it was all this like, she's like yeah, her sight's perfectly fine. And surely over time, the, that bridge of the nose comes out, pulls the skin in, and she doesn't look cross eyed. But it was just these amazing things. Like, how do you test? Because she obviously can't sit there and go A, B, L, T. So how? And yeah, so it's amazing. But that I no- we noticed that it was visual. There's nothing visually different. It's really hard. Yeah, and to, to do you have to you have to do clues though, don't you? Yeah, you do have to pay respect to clues And also, you know, that student didn't realise there was anything wrong. She didn't realise that, you know, everybody else didn't see words moving around the page. And so she was used to it, you know, and it wasn't until I challenged her on about it, she realised that there was a problem. And then we helped her and then her behaviour changed completely and she was fine in my class. But nearly every lesson, the other teacher chucked her out in the corridor and then sent her down to me. So sometimes you just need to spend time with them and find out what's in their cocktail. Because all behaviour is communication. Yes. And guess what, Dale, I've got next? I've got the Birmingham Sour. So I picked up my lemon because it's 30 mils of fresh lemon juice, 20 mils of cane, cane sugar syrup, 10 mils of red wine and 60 mils of Sexton rye whiskey. Unfortunately, I've got to drive home. So I couldn't bring all the drinks. And some of these students might leave a sour taste in your mouth, is what I'm saying here. You know, you're working really, really hard with them, and they're so difficult. And they're so difficult because you don't know what the background information is. And it could be so complex and so juicy, the word I'm going to use, that you're not allowed to share it. You know, confidentiality, who must know, who has to know, who should know, etc. And so sometimes this student might be really difficult and therefore you need to know a little bit of background information to get a hook in there to try and find out why they're behaving like that. So speak to her, find out what her difficulties are. And she would, her attendance was really poor. So I showed her assistive technology and every lesson she came, I showed her assistive technology. I showed her voice typing. Here we go. 
use voice typing, put it in Google Docs and type away and just talk it away. And I went through every time I saw her, what she had to do, how she had to do it and the sort of information she'd have to provide. And I kept encouraging and encouraging her. Then one day, I hadn't seen her for three months. She comes in, she'd been practicing assistive technology. She sat in the corner and she dictated about 20 pages of work. Wow. And did loads because she practiced it, gone over it. She knew what she had to do. It was just the doing. She just had to get on with it. And she felt confident she could do it. And then the students are in the class going, what's she doing? I said, she's voice typing. But, you know, sometimes these things catch on. And so the others were going, well, if she can do that, I think I'll give it a go. So that we had these pockets of students in the classroom using uh, voice-activated software and screen readers in order to finish their work, which was really, really good. So a positive thing came out of the old Birmingham Sour there. I, I always find when I was at school and I was writing stories, my hand could never keep up with my head. So I had something I want to put down. Yeah. But my hat, I was, I, I, it wasn't, I was wrong, but basically I couldn't write fast enough. I literally, I knew what I'd say, but it was literally kind of going, come on. And it would just, I'd almost fall over my hand. Mm. So what happened is my writing got worse so it can get faster. Mm. To the point that only I could read it. That happened with my son. His spider crawled over the page. Yes, yes. And, uh, but yeah, so to me, stuff like that technology remove barriers, remove issues in so many ways. It's really is brilliant. Mm. That's right. I'm going to go into my next one. This is easy dizzy, okay? I don't know what, I've got some fizzy water here, actually. I'm going to put it in here. Here we go. Lovely. Excellent. This reminds me of my professional fainter. Okay. There we go. So You've got to give it a shake, Susan. Oh, no, no, don't shake the fizzy water. I'll leave it to open up in a minute. Yeah. Fine. So I had this professional fainter. Um, I was off at Christmas and I came back and I went into the classroom and I said, What's she doing down there? I said, Why doesn't she sit on the chair? And this girl said, She faints all the time, Susie. I said, Oh, does she? We didn't know why she fainted. She just fainted. So we used to put her in the her in the recovery position, do a bit of first aid, call the nurse, and then she used to sort her out. But what I think is really important is, you know, with that learner there, you don't know what their cocktail is. You don't know why they're fainting, but you've got to have that first aid training to look after students, whether they've got SEND or some sort of condition. You know, you have to have that training to know how to look after them. I didn't know if it was something to do with blood pressure or it was low blood sugar. She just fainted. She just dropped on the floor. And I haven't had another one since like that, which is quite interesting. Fainting is strange. I've... I've... Some you, you see them at the uh, always at the nativity, don't you? There's always one child going splat. Yeah, but I, I've seen someone do it at work, and it was I was literally having a conversation with them, and their their face just went a little funny. Then they just stood completely off their chair onto the floor under their desk, and it was like, "What are you doing?" And then so I went, "Oh, but yeah, you <laughs> do have to know what do you do in that situation." Mm. Yeah, you need to be trained. You need to be first aid trained. You never know what's going to come and, and turn up in your classroom. Or you might be called away to deal with someone having a fit on the floor. What on earth do you do? You've got to put them in the recovery position, call the nurse, etc. 
I've got a really nice drink here called Inspector Campbell that reminds me of, I'm going to call a motivated Margaret. Sometimes you have these students that just write copious notes. They write and write and write. They don't know what they've written. And so many reams and reams of paper. And they're thinking at one point there must be something useful in there. But you know what? We were talking te text help yesterday. And he said that if you're writing, if you'd written stuff, text help could actually simplify it for you and make it easier to understand. So she could have used, you know, in the future, she could have she could use text help. Use something that simplifies that information or highlights keywords and then paraphrases it for you. Now we've we've talked, I think it was on Dyslexic Raid Riser yeah, podcast, yeah. where you have all this information, but sometimes they, they they're struggling to identify what is the key information. Yeah. So therefore I best write everything. Down. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes it's it's helping to work out so what is key. And you did the whole you got the whole board, haven't you? Yeah. With your questions and your importance and yes. the difference between an evaluating and analyzing and oh, yeah. different key words you look for. Yeah. Fountain of knowledge is Susie. <laughs> and sometimes you sit there and it's like sometimes people run on fear. Yeah. I might miss something. That's right. So they just write everything. Absolutely everything. Whereas I'm the opposite. I will literally, I'll be next to someone who's, written, who's finished their notebook and I'm looking, looking at my notebook and it's blank. Because you remembered it. Yeah, but then I get doubts. <laughs> well, I should have written something, but what should I write? Well, what was important? I think I've got what I was on about. But you just, then you just get in a spiral of worry because well, why, why have they written a whole book and I haven't written anything? And Susie's brought out her notebook. The book of knowledge. And in the book of knowledge is everything from all meetings. Okay. And so I can go back got the date what did i say there and you've got it all written down and you can quote it so if you somebody who starts the page and try and squeeze a bit in the top afterwards with a little square around it do you do that i do little thing? squares there you saw my little square no, that's no, it's just, yeah. it's, i just see so many people who write notes and i see these people i go through i was talking to someone recently who literally went there are my five notebooks from this school year alone yeah and she went and how useful is that she went, i don't know where any of it is that's the thing is, is I ask you for information, you'd have to get that notebook out and you'd have to go and find the date and read through it. If only a computer could make that life so much easier for you. There you go. I could Control do F, fine, dyslexia. No, not that one, not that oh. one. There it is. There was, there was that conversation. Yeah. To me, just use tech because you can have all of that in a computer. You can do find. You can do, it just makes so much more sense. Paper is bad, although all the teachers seem to love paper. Oh, we do. We really oh. love paper. Luckily, really nice. luckily, there's no cocktails with paper. No, no. <laughs> so I'm going to move on to Freddie Thorne. Okay, this is my amazing Alex, or is he a thorn in your side? Sometimes in our classes, we have mainly girls, so we might have, you know, 15, 20 girls and one boy. And there'll be, there'll be this boy in there that just loves chatting up the girls. He's doing health and social care because he just wants to be with the girls and to mother him. But when he's chatting away... It could be that it's a smoke screen that he actually doesn't understand. So if you actually extract him from yeah. the girls and talk to him, you then find out that he has difficulty reading the book or accessing the information on the computer. So maybe he could use something like a scanning pen to scan over the worksheet so that he can understand the instructions there because he'd rather just chat to the girls and ask them over and over again, you know. But he could actually do it himself and make him more independent and then he can do it discreetly accessing that information and just instead of being the whole focus of the class 
you know, and taking everybody's attention and stop distracting everybody, which would be really, really nice. So, yeah, you always have these boys. They've got amazing talents. They're really good orally, but when the writing comes in, it's not so good sometimes. Um, and so they have to have some sort of structure there to help them. Just be clear, Susie really does not only have a book with cocktails in, she has a whole document with her cocktails and her her students' names. She's not just making this up. She has done a lot of prep work for this, haven't you? My friend and I actually, uh, because we've been teaching for so long, we made up a load of sort of case studies about our students before we forgot because, you know, we're really old. You reach a certain age and everything seizes up, drops off, you forget everything. So we thought before we forgot, we would sit together and reminisce about some of these students. So actually writing this up was quite easy because I have a four-page document of, you know, um, Moody Morris, Angry, Angry Andy, Cool Colin and all that sort of thing. And I just put, put pluck them out and then just put them in with a cocktail. So that was quite nice. And, and then today when I was going through it with my friend, she said, um, oh, I remember her. Oh, do you remember that one? You know, so it was, it was quite nice. But making the podcast, you've probably got people in the background thinking, oh, I've got one of those. I remember that person yeah. like that in my class. So it's going to be quite familiar, really. We had a girl. This is the Ulster Force, okay, for Peaky Binders, the cocktail, two sprigs of fresh thyme, 15 mils of honey syrup, 40 mils of apple juice, 40 mils of malt whiskey and a dash of Angostura and aromatic bitters. I've called this Memory Mary. Her name wasn't Mary, but she was a Northern Irish lass, okay? She had a very poor short-term memory. We had to put those tasks in bite-sized chunks and go over and over and over it until she understood. And what we use at college is mini whiteboards about this big, about the size of A4. And then we can put instructions on the board and put it on the left of them to the computer. And then they can look at that and then tick it off or wipe yeah. it off. And if there's still stuff they have to do by the end of the lesson, they can take a photo on their phone. Yeah, so if she hasn't finished and she's still got instructions, she'll take it on her phone and then she can look at it when she gets home and finish it yeah. at home or upstairs in the IT centre or, or wherever. But it's sort of a recurring theme with my students. They have poor processing and memory skills. So we do have to go over and over things with them. And that's where your multisensory technique, because you're doing it in different ways to help learn. Yes. And it will all come clear by the time we get to memory melody at the end. Memory melody. Yes. Only 54 cocktails to go. <laughs> you can be under the table by the time you finish, Dale, aren't you? Well, here we go for another one. It's going to be Danny Whiz Bang. There we go. Nice bit of fizz. Okay. So you always get this cool boy in a class who the girls absolutely love. That wasn't me. I know that much. <laughs> Great in class. Tons of ideas, but just can't consolidate anything and doesn't really write anything down in a clear, coherent way. And because he's dyslexic, his written work is nowhere is, nowhere is good as what he can do orally. So I'll have a right good chat in class, give you loads of ideas, you sit him down and he just can't write anything. And so you have to, again, get the mini whiteboard out and write those keywords in there. 
I suppose in the old days you would call it some sort of writing frame or something like that yeah. that you would follow in order. You look at your reluctant writers type stuff and yeah. go through all that. Yeah. But a real whiz bag in the class. I think one of these was actually a cage fighter. And he was really cool with all the girls. But sit him down and write. He must be joking, you know, because he was just interested in chatting everyone up. So it's really important to be able to break that information down in sizable chunk, give him small tasks to do one after the other and give him the keywords to follow. We were talking earlier at lunch about Jealous Jackie. Um, she's the last word on the Peaky Blinders cocktail book. Um, students are jealous of others. And Dale, you were talking about why would students be jealous of others? You mentioned someone might be a girl with autism, for example, and was a perfectionist. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. yeah. It is. It is. You've got the, they're very self-conscious and they're very much aware of everyone else. And I think they might not measure up or they think their life is, yeah, is, I, generally everyone knows someone who's always just watching you and whatever you do, often they might be showing off that theirs is better. They might not actually exist. So, yeah, with lots, lots of times I've come across people who you can just break it down to jealousy. They just, they just, and sometimes they don't realise what they've got. Mm. So they look at what you've got and go, oh, that's not fair, but could often be really oblivious to what they've got. And I, I was some, I remember when I was younger, uh, like primary school or secondary school, and I had friends who always went down to Spain went on a foreign holiday, went to Spain every year, went to Marbella, went on the beach, and I was just jealous because we did camping or we did sailing. It was always, it was always not, not that, to me at the time, amazing. And I, was, I used to be jealous. I used to be very jealous of these, getting on the plane, going off. And then as I got older, um, there were things I did. I didn't realise the sailing that we did, chartering a yacht, it was actually an expensive holiday. And it was mm. really tough. And I loved it. And I love sailing. And I don't get a chance to do it often, but it is an absolute love of mine, going off, forgetting the world, cruising slowly, because you can't don't go that fast on a mm. boat. And I love it. And... And realise that actually every holiday we did something different. But my friend who went to Marbella every year had the exact same holiday every year. Oh, yeah. They went to the same hotel, mm. to the same bar, mm. to the same restaurant. And in reality, if you worked out their entirety of the year, they were either in Croydon, where I grew up, mm. for 40, 50 weeks a year and two weeks in Spain. And that was a total of their life. Whereas I'd been sailing in Scotland on Loch Ness. Wow. I'd been sailing in Cornwall, Devon, yeah. Norfolk Broads, camping in Wales, in different parts of Wales, bottom of Snowdon. Mm. And all these amazing places in the UK and up um, Kilda, Hadrian's Wall and all this mm. stuff. And then realising, mm. actually, no, they've not really left Croydon. So your jealousy, you need perspective, don't you? You do. And it can take over you. And... Um... Sometimes these students can be really anxious or sometimes they've got eating disorders such as anorexia. So it's really important to um, keep an eye on them, really, and um, see if they've got any difficulties at home, if they'll let you know, to be honest, and encourage them in whatever they do. You know, it just doesn't encourage the jealousy, but encourage, you know, in 
every small thing that they produce, yeah, that looks really good and this is how you get better and it looks really nice. Well done. And it's, it's modelling because sometimes jealousy can come with uh, lots of negative behaviour because mm. they're jealous. They put everyone else down to try and put themselves up mm. and realising you don't have to put others down to help bring yourself up. And it's, it's lots of modelling. You are literally showing that you can praise others. Mm. You don't have to expect anything back. You don't have to be. And also something, when you praise someone else, they might praise you back. Yeah. Sort of thing. So you, you're trying to show them there's a different way. Yeah, there is a different way. Yeah, that's important to, to help everyone praise them in the smallest activity they may do to make them feel better. Yeah. To, about themselves, I think. Yeah. And to grow inside and, and, and sometimes they might sit there and go well no one says anything nice about my work and, you, and when when have you said anything nice about anyone else's work because i find most things are reciprocal so yeah if you're not saying nice things about others people may not be nice things to you so it's sometimes hard people don't realize it is a two-way thing especially as a child you get lots of love and attention from parents and you not always give it back because you're a child, but actually when you're going to other people, it's, it is give and take. It's not just take. And it's, quite, it's hard to learn that sometimes. It's true. Um, Dale, this is actually a salt pot. Okay. Are, you doing, are we doing shots now? Are we getting the tequila out? Oh, no. It's because I'm, I'm imagining it's Epsom salts because my <laughs> next cocktail <laughs> is Epsom. And I chose this one because of salt and it reminds me of smelly Sonia because there's always a smelly one isn't there there's always a smelly one in your class or you've always got a smelly one in the year did you have a smelly one when you went to school no but I I, I do I do know um certain stereotypes of people and smells and things like that so I reflect on oh okay so we had a student that was rather smelly and sweaty so you know, they would wear the same clothes all week yeah. and they'd sit by the door and other students refused to, to work with her um, because they just didn't like the smell. And so we could send her to the school nurse to discreetly speak to her about it and maybe give her a gift bag of different shampoo and shower gel, which would be quite nice. And I think you could do that now, particularly, you know, if 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 they're poor and, and it's obvious that they, they're not washing because they can't actually buy the soap. It's buy the soap. So, um yeah, you, you quite often have one. It actually reminds me of when we did a band tour of Italy and we were in a bus of 42 hours. It got rather smelly in there, as you can imagine. Well, what I find is, um, so going back to sailing, is yeah. um, where we where my, my dad sailed around the world. I think where you all are together and you're mm. all getting slightly smellier every day, you won't notice it Yeah, because you're all smelling as bad. Mm. So you won't know that the person next to you smells really bad because you smell just as bad. And it's one of the things I think over time smell. But for me... There are two reasons people can be smelly. Mm. One is, as you said, they don't can't afford mm. and things like that. And so sometimes not only do you have to give them the same, but you might have to get help and get a towel. Don't have mm. a towel to dry themselves. Mm. So there's a whole financial mm. world. But there's also being aware. Because sometimes, and the stereotype is that there are people who are just so busy with their life mm. that they don't think about hygiene. Mm, don't have time to wash. Yeah, so it's not they go, oh, look at me, I'm like this. Mm. They're not even looking. They're almost, and again, I, I, probably some conditions I'd love to find out, but sometimes people are just completely unaware of, of themselves. They're mm. not aware of themselves. They won't be aware they smell. They won't be aware of their 
color of their clothes, how dirty their clothes are. They're just full on doing something and loving it, oblivious to their own personal appearance, smell. So I, I've I've come across those a few You've come times. Those ones. We went we went yachting on the Whit Sunday Islands as you do. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my sister. Hang on, a quick ching there. There we go. Yep. And um, they said to us, we've got enough water for twenty four people. It'll fill a bath, so you can't have a shower. And if you do have a shower, you can only have it four. And it was less than a minute. It was like 30 seconds. So what you had to do was run the water, put soap on you, stand there, rub it all in, and then flick the shower for about 10 seconds and then rinse it off. My sisters went, great. We don't have to wash. I said, no, sis, you do need to wash. No, they said we don't. They said they haven't got enough water. So anyway, uh, days went by and we went swimming in the sea. And I said, look, there's a bar of soap. Wash yourself. So she was washing the sea. But you get bitchy with the salt, yeah. don't you? And we get to, is it Hobart or Hamilton, Hamilton Island? I think that's the one where all the rich and famous live. Hobart, Tasmania. Yeah, Hamilton Island. And we, we, we moor the boat. And the captain says, now, ladies and gentlemen, we have showers here. I went, Great, we can go and have a wash. My sister said, I'm off to the disco. I said, no, go and have a wash. So I go into these um, showers, the, the showers, you know, are on the side by, by the disco. And I go in the shower, have this wonderful shower, you know, more than 10 seconds, marvellous. I come out the shower. Who's standing in the door? Skippy. There's this kangaroo. Six foot tall, standing <laughs> there, looking at me, going, "What are you doing in my shower block, Susie?" I'm thinking, Skippy, what are you doing in my shower block? How on earth am I going to get out there? They tell me that kangaroos can box. Yes. I thought, leave me out, and all these sort of visions of all these things people have told me are all coming to my head, going, "I can't get out of here. I can't get out of here." So I walked up to Skippy. I thought, "Oh, go for it, go for it, go on. You've got to get out tonight because the boat's going to go." So I go, hello, Skippy, how are you? And I legged it back to the boat. Where was my sister? In the disco. Oh, my goodness. She had another wash. <laughs> she decided the disco was more important. I was not expecting that story, Susie. <laughs> Sorry. Where did that come from? Washing. But no, kangaroos, not only do they box, but also they hold on to you and kick with their rear legs. They stand on their tail. I know. I was so frightened. But, um, no, yeah, the whole thing is, I think when you're there, you you all got slightly smelling notice. And I think yeah. there is, sometimes you sit there and you do a load of work and you're going, oh, oh, that's not good. Oh, I best go have a shower. But some people, and I don't know if it is they don't smell or just the way they process it is it's not important. I don't understand. But there are people and there are certain uh, hobbies. Mm -hmm where people are kind of known for not showering and washing. And um, it's very typical. I sit there and I just sit there and go, ooh, ooh. Got many questions, which I will not spoil <laughs> on air in case I offend anyone. But you know you sit there and go, ooh, I wonder. And, yeah, to me it's not – they don't know they smell. No. So sometimes, yeah, there's those who know they smell. Yeah. And there are those who don't. They don't. And it might just be that if you sit there and go, if you look at your clothes and they go, oh, oh, God, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You've got last week's dinner down there. Yes, and they're just oblivious. 
yeah, it's not a conscious oblivion. It is, yeah. I'm doing something much more else I'm interested in. Yeah, well, why not? Why not? Yeah. So I'm going to go move on swiftly to the Changretta, which is a lump of Nigerian. It's 60 miles of red Italian vermouth, two dashes of fernet branca, uh, one slice of fresh orange for garnish. It is cheeky Christine. So she's a Chinese student. And sometimes these students speaking English as a second language, they can't speak English and she can't actually do any work because she can't access the information because she doesn't speak the language. And so that's really hard for them to understand what she's got to do. And sometimes they're translating Chinese, English, English, Chinese in order to understand what you've got to do. And I'm thinking here, if Scanning Pens actually had a language bit in Chinese or any other language, I do know that Scanning Pens do have other languages in there, then you could use that for scanning through the information. But what about Google Translate? Yes. That does a job, doesn't it? But it's also, there's lots of very slight changes in words or the context. Yes. So um, I enjoy reading in Reading and things like that where... You've got to know the context of it and the con where it is in the world and see that, and it gets really complicated. And so, some few and many those mm. contexts, and also whenever you speak French or German in British, it's like Guten uh, Tag, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, what do they say there? And they're like, and we've got a lady who works here who's Austrian, and I do a bit of German. I said, did I say that right? She went. Technically, but no one says it like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's the thing. So there's a whole language barrier, but also it's a type of, yes, yeah, there's so many different things and it, get, it gets really complicated with all the different nuances of the mm. word and things like that. And they've got Levels. to understand the concept through a language that's not their own. And then they might be asking you a question. It is a big barrier. It Very can be barrier. a big barrier. And they do need help. They do need help to be able to, you know, translate the information. Particularly around here, near the home of the British Army, we've got the Nepalese. You might say them Nemeste. They like that greeting. But you can sit in a classroom. You can have a student that's been here five, four, three, two, one years. And the one that's been here five years is helping the one that's been here four years. The person that's one year is going back to the one that's been here five years. And they're all working together, trying to translate between them you know, so that they can understand what they've got to do next. It's quite fascinating watching them working and how quickly the one that's been here the longest can get on, yeah. you know, as the one that's been here very recently just come into England, then they're going to be struggling when they all help one another, which is really nice to that see. That is really good. But I suppose in most classes, you're not that lucky to have uh, a group yeah. who can support each other. Yeah, yeah, so... I think, yeah, it's important to ensure that they can access the information in their own language in some way. My next one is Mrs. Ross. Mrs. Ross is joyous, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> A student who works extremely hard. It's important for the information to be relatable for Jenny. You've got to relate it to something so she can remember it and she can apply it to health and social care because she wants to become a nurse. Dyslexic students often have to see the big picture, okay, in order to remember information and apply the facts to those case studies and scenarios. They need to have that information. Sometimes you need to link it to a video, a story. And to be honest, I spend most of my Friday afternoon doing the old Ronnie Corbett show in my chair. And sometimes the puppets make an appearance and I tell them stories and then they remember it much, much better. But that whole thing, 
contextualizing it, I call mm, that. Mm. And for me, again, the more I do these podcasts, the more I get confused about my neurodiversity. I'm not sure which, which box I fit into. I think I'm a cocktail. And yeah, my own unique we'll cocktail. find out which one in a minute. Um, but that context, that contextualizing, so sit there and I, I do courses with Microsoft and I learn a Microsoft technology and they're saying to me, and I'm literally, I'm not quite sure. And I go, so if I did this in this situation, this would be this, and this would be this, and this would be this. And one time I went, no. And I was like, what? No, it wouldn't. I went, surely it would be sure. No. It's like, oh, I've got it wrong. I went back. And the way I was doing it was different to how. But mm. so I, I have to sit there and go, in my context, how I want to use this information means this, this, this. And they go, yes. It's like, cool, I've got it. It's locked in. It has to relate to you. Has to relate to what I need what to. I, so that for me is a very common thing. I sit there and I'm learning and one half of my head is listening. The other half is going, okay, so how am I using this? What does it look like? What would it look like if I did this in reality? And if I don't have that, I, I won't, it won't go in. I need to be able to understand, put it into something I could do or I'm going to use and then it's locked in. And I think with science, with abstract concepts, you need that, don't you? You need yeah. something, whether it's a game of football or whatever to teach something, you need that so that they can understand it it's really important i'm going to tell you about grace's secret next grace's secret cocktail <laughs> 60 mils of london dry gin 30 mils of red italian murmur 10 mils of elderflower liqueur two dashes of peach bitters uh, a lemon twist of garnish this would be guarded grace it's not her name at all it's her name was something completely different but grace had a secret but she was visually impaired. She didn't tell the teacher. She was often behind with her work and she has difficulty processing information. So how did I find that out? Well, she was always behind. And then one day I said, now come on, Grace, why don't you come and sit with me? And we sat together and the font on the screen was size 18. I said, do you know what? This is a bit strange. Why are you using such a big font? You don't get many words on the page. It certainly cost me a lot of money out my budget to print your work out at the end of the day. Um, and so she actually admitted she couldn't see very well. She had low vision. And so we could have encouraged her against uh, voice activated software, screen readers, but magnification software we could have yeah. used as well, such as Zoom Text or Dolphin Supernova in the future. And if she was using Word, she could use dictate or read aloud whatever she was using but to be familiar with that assistive technology was really really important to give her confidence in what she was doing did you know that's a segue here amazing um, but true fact and a percy pig you have your percy pig and i'll talk about a lovely new feature on ios 15 lovely so if you have an iphone which is capable of latest ios what is absolutely amazing, and I'm going to demonstrate it to Susie, is I'm going to take a picture oh, yeah. of, of her, her recipe, of her cocktail recipe. So I've got the photo up. And then it reads it. And then I can click on it, mm. and I can highlight the text mm. and copy it and paste it and make it any size I want, mm. or get the phone to read it to me. Mm. Mm. So that's great, because that means any text anywhere, I can photograph it, copy it, Paste it into that and go read to me. You see, your phone's a piece of assistive technology. This is the best thing ever. And when yeah. schools say phones should be banned, I get very angry for multiple reasons. But things like that are just fascinating. It's just amazing 
how powerful this phone is and how supportive it can be. Yeah, there's a group in Canada called the Tech Dudes. And um, I, I saw one of the podcasts night from Canada live streamed and they would go around the school and they would take photos of posters on their iPhones and then do that. Take the photo and then convert the text and then it would read it back so that they knew what the what the poster was about. The first time I saw that technology, it was on a little video and it was somebody who was in their lecture hall in America, big thing, mm. and they were just sitting there and they could see the person in front of them was making notes. All they did was take a photo of the person's screen, mm. copy, paste, they held all the notes. Mm. Of course. I was like, that would be me. It's mm. a good idea. Yeah. Minimum effort, maximum impact. Wicked. That's what I'm always after. Always. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so my next one is the angel. So I'm going to call her big-hearted Bella. She's really caring to other students in the class and look after them emotionally. She listens intently to the teacher and offers advice about how to help others in the class who are struggling. She gives up her time tirelessly to help others and make the world a better place, even though she may be struggling herself. She feels better in herself if she helps others. It gives her a sense of belonging and purpose. It's contagious, boosting her self-esteem, creating stronger friendships, making her more optimistic and positive. So this could be a girl who in the past may have had an operation for something and she struggled, but by helping others, it helps her to feel better. And, and that's what's really nice with our students. They're very caring because they potentially want to be nurses or physios work in the caring profession. And um, they look after one another. And it's really, really nice. It is nice. And sometimes it's, again, it's uh, you could say it's a deflection technique. And there's lots of things you can look into why. Yeah. And sometimes this is a very healthy thing. Yeah, Could be unhealthy. Yeah. Well, it's because she's being cared for herself in hospital. Yeah. That's why she wants to now care for others and make a difference. And that will, she will, currently she's a pediatric nurse, I think. Wow. So she's now gone returning. into nursing and returning all that care that she's had while she was in hospital. So that's really nice. So that's a really nice cocktail. Um, oh, that one's got a bit of rum in there. So it's rum-based. Yes, rose syrup, nice bit of tonic water, and a dried rosebud for garnish. Everyone has one of them left around. Yes, I don't. <laughs> I think we've got one from our wedding, actually. We saved some of the flowers in the bouquet. Oh. It's probably got mould by now, though. <laughs> Tried it out. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm going to come on to one of my favourite. It's, it's a bit like um, imagining as you were talking about stories wandering through your brain. I'm now reliving videos in my classroom of I'm going to call a pompous pippa. And, and this cocktail will be the Grand Duke, a pompous student who's dyslexic and wants to do her best. She's a wonderful graphic designer, okay, and she can revise for her exams by creating these wonderful cartoons of the information, for example, she's learned in history, you know, the Battle of Hastings or whatever. She finds that really useful as a revision tool because she's a visual learner. And she will come in and she'll show me all her artwork. She'd design menus and things like that um, for a graphic design. And why not use that talent? Why not use that talent to revise, learn and remember things? Because that's what she's naturally good and gifted at. Again, because if she's visualising it, she really can understand that's the thing. Sometimes the people go sit there. And I remember going, um, we did, oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was the uh, World War One poems, the Somme and all that lot. And 
just close your eyes and imagine how they felt. And there's me sitting there in 1993, 1994, in my secondary school, lovely warm in my uniform, nothing hard happened to me in my life. Trying to imagine what it was like in World War One, And I just remember closing my eyes going, what a load of rubbish. I have no idea how they felt. I've got no context of how that would have felt. Why am I trying to imagine? And I just found it really, really hard to ever put myself in those shoes. It kind of doesn't make sense to me. When people say, imagine how it would have felt, it's like, I personally can't. I don't know if you, you're like that. I didn't do history. I only did it up to the sort oh, this of was, this third was GCSE year. English. Yeah, GCSE. Oh, right. GCSE English. We didn't do stuff like that when I, I did English, but my son had to do about war poems. He was dragged around every single airfield in Essex. My dad used to be a pilot. <laughs> here's another airfield. This is what they happened here. And here's another Nissan hut and go in there and get up and down here. No, he was, he was done to death with all that. And we went to the Imperial War Museum. We went everywhere so that, yeah, he could visualise the stuff when I he was couldn't. doing about. Yeah, it's difficult unless you've been there. But for Pippa, she obviously could. Yeah. And she yeah. could see exactly mm. what that would have felt like and mm. would have seen it. Can I sit there and um, I've, I've watched like Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan, just sit mm. there and all just going, wow. oh, my, I just, just, wow. And then the long-term effect. Like, I can't imagine it because I've, not yeah, anywhere really close, we which is to, a great thing. Yeah, we went to the war graves in France, and as you walk round and people tell you stories, you know, you get guides and things, you do have a feeling of what really went on. It's interesting, I think, if you when go you over there. When you see the number of graves. And yeah. You, yeah, and you look at their age. That's something, uh, yeah, we, uh, we did that. Was, um, oh, what's the uh, stop up from farm on the train line? They're both quite local to here. Brooklyn's. Brooklyn's. There's a uh, cemetery War there. Cemetery, yeah. So we, as a school, we went around there uh, with my daughter's school, and that was uh, that was quite moving. Mm. Just realizing this is a this is the cemetery for our area mm. and the ages, and yeah, yeah, it's quite big there. I think it is quite a big um, cemetery. But yeah, to be able to really picture that and put yourself in that, that's a powerful skill. It is. I think um, at his my son's school, they actually dug a trench. In the school grounds, like they could feel, you know, how much effort it would take to dig a trench, you know, and put the sandbags up, everything. Wow. Yeah, because I think Susie's multi sensory teaching, just reading about <laughs> it, just doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But my... Blood, sweat, and tears, that'll teach, that'll teach yeah. you. Yeah, there we go. But my next cocktail is Sparkling Susie. I thought I'd better put that oh, one in. Oh, it's got to be a Sparkling Susie. Yeah, 60 mils of Sue's. Giantane, whatever that is, one slice of lemon for garnish in 120 tonic water. It's quite an easy one. Yes. So this student, what we say, has a high, putting the psychology in here, internal locus of control. She manages her time and wants to make her work as perfect and beautiful as possible. She loves to make posters of important information and will spend hours on her presentation. You sometimes get a student like that, don't you, that's really, really good at presentation. And you crack open the work and it like looks like pages from a book. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. Spelling key scientific terminology is important to her and she'll check the spellings of difficult scientific words using her science picture dictionary. So science dictionaries, you'll have the words in or you can have words and pictures. And I think they're really useful for students, especially that have difficulty 
reading the words, you know, checking them and checking the understanding and the meaning of them. It is. It is. I know, I know people who just their work. You're literally. I'm literally struggling to make sense of it, and the person next to me has just this full blown amazing thing, and it just to me. I thought they always showed they knew everything. Mm. Sometimes that presentation could be a mask. Yes, it's not in as much detail as your scrawly notes in your little notebook. Yeah, they've learned how to fluff it up. Yes. And make it look very, we're going, Pretty. oh my God. And you actually read it and yeah, there's not much depth to it. Mm. And um, so yes, yeah, not always what you see is what you get. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you've got to go and see, is it in enough depth or not? So... Here we've got Bonnie Gold. I think we better put a bit more drink in the old uh, <laughs> in the old cocktail shaker here because we haven't had any for a while. Hang on. Lovely. Okay, that's the Bonnie Gold. And this Bonnie Gold here, just put the cocktail shaker down there. Oh, it's got a nice bit of... Six mils of London dry gin, 20 mils of Gifford Monfey, pastel liqueur, whatever that is. 15 mils of lime juice, 60 mils of tonic water, a dash of Pecos aromatic, aromatic bitters, a spring fresh mint. This reminds me of likeable Louise. I haven't touched on autism yet. And Dale is an expert. I'm so not, just to be very clear. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you've been I've talking listened to, to Finton exactly, a lot. Exactly, because you've had a chat to our Finton last week. So therefore, you're probably a bit more up to speed than me. So Louise tries really hard to be liked by the other students in class. And we're talking about this over lunch. The social skills are really difficult. She has ASD and finds it difficult to socialise with the other students in class. It's important to listen to her, to listen to what she has to say. And maybe give her lots of advice, but she might even give you some advice about life. Praise and encouragement. It's useful for the teacher to speak about her. You know, she might have a dog, a pet, a cat or something like that if she's having a bad day. And then she'll start calming down a bit. And it makes her feel empowered if you then know something about her and you can actually share that with her and she can share back something that's new. I think with these sort of students, be patient, wait. Yeah. Find their, uh, find out what really makes them tick. I know my sister used to work with a boy who, who had to go into TARDIS in order to do any work. And if he wasn't in his TARDIS, he obviously couldn't get his work done. And, and with them, be persistent but resilient. Yeah. Um, stay positive with them. But, you know, sometimes I do have a bit of the old irritating behaviour. Um, whatever that could be, but just ignore it. You know, it doesn't matter. They're, they're just doing their best. And maybe interact through some sort of physical activity, get them to get up and walk around the class or make something, you know, just sort of use their hands and learn from her, learn from the student, learn what makes her tick and get them to believe in themselves, get them to believe that they can do it. And autism is huge. Autism is huge. And, um, a lot of people know the typical boys. It's quite disruptive, boisterous presentation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very typical. I always find the more you learn about autism, then the more you watch cop dramas or police dramas, you're going, yep, yep, divorced, obsessed with the job. It's very almost like they've not yeah, said they're autism. Yeah. They've not said this is autistic cop. You're literally going, right, yeah. so he's divorced, but doesn't seem to be take the ownership on himself. And 
they're really either seeing things no one else can. It has to be them. I'm the person who can do it. You're literally going, ticking a lot of autism boxes here, ticking a lot of those. Yeah. And you, you, you see it, but the girls' presentation is often very different. And I did a podcast many moves ago. Uh, I think it was, it was Sarah Jane on girls and autism. It's something she's very passionate about, Sarah Jane Critchley. And that presentation could be very different. And one of the things as we've been going through this, as Susie's coming on with these different cocktails, and in her book, as well as having, if I just reach over here, she has a list of all the cocktails and you can go to any thing. But in the beginning, there is the, um, the contents and the first section is all the whiskey based and you've got all the gin based and you've got all the other spirits. So, and I think within the cocktails, we're talking about these cocktails is we don't silo special needs. We don't mm. say this is a child with autism, this is that. So talk, Susie's talking about how this child presents in the classroom. Mm -hmm. They're very this, they're very that. And what you'll probably find is, They've got a bit of that dyslexia. They've got 50 mils of dyslexia, mm. 10 mils of autism, yeah. 20 mils of anxiety, all mixed together. Yes. But you might have in theory somebody with the same amount of autism and dyslexia, but their life experiences make the cocktail very different. Mm. Mm. So where they're, and you could say their socioeconomic place, their mm. social mobility, their deprivation to have a very different impact. The support of the parents mm -hmm. could make things very different. Mm -hmm. And as you're talking through these, I'm literally going, I can almost have a banner going, there's a bit of autism in there, there's a bit of dyslexia here, there's a bit of this here. And I, I think about anxiety because anxiety can prevent you from doing something, but it also it can have the opposite. If I don't succeed, if I'm not the best, if I'm not telling everyone how good I am, what happens? And so all of these, you sit there and listen, and all these different children, it's all a mix of these different things, mm. all thrown in together with a bit of something extra this time, a bit of that rosebud or a mint, sprig mm. of mint. It's all of that thrown in, and that little bit there, well, that's just made it a very different cocktail. It has, yeah. And the experience they've had on the bus on the way in to college in the day has, has made a big difference too. Yeah. Yeah. Or if their dog has escaped from the house and is running around the garden, they can't catch it. And they're late for a lesson, that might throw them off too. You just don't know. The individuals in that class have such a massive story to tell and a background story, and their cocktail is different. Yeah. The time of the day, the day of the week, and what they've experienced in life. And sometimes what they're letting out is what they can't let out at home. Mm, yeah, that's true. I've only got a couple more left, Dale. I've got Harissa. Harissa is someone actually that I taught many years ago. She's got ADHD and she walks around the room. I've called her the champagne cocktail because she's very fizzy. <laughs> she goes around the room chatting to everybody. She's very bright, but difficulty concentrating on the task set. Although she's behind with the work, she'll catch up quickly because she's highly motivated and knows that if she gets it done, I'm not going to keep her in at lunchtime. Yeah. But it's useful to give her specific targets and timeframes to complete her work and ensure she doesn't disturb all the other students in the class. So use her energy, get her to get her work done, let her enjoy herself, but then sort of set a timeframes and targets to complete that work, or else she's going to be off on a bender, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, yes. she is. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I've only got three left. Here we go. <laughs> this one actually says the last word and I've put Louise in a loop. So sometimes they've got OCD and they go round and round and they're really worried, got anxiety, 
and OCD. And everything they write down must be checked because they're not quite sure if it's correct. So it's important for the teacher to reduce their anxiety and reassure, reassure them that the information she's written is of a very good standard. It's of a good standard. And it's important to give her instructions in bite-sized chunks and keep reassuring her over and over again. Yes, what you've written is fine. Don't worry. Just keep moving. Keep moving. And that takes quite a lot of energy to keep someone like that on track. It is. And it is. I read again. I love the internet. I spend my life browsing. Not as far, but I can, I can feel time browsing through it. Mm. And it was a thing that was on Reddit and it was somebody, I think it was, I think it was OCD or it was ADHD, but it sort of said eight hours research. And I successfully wrote two lines because mm. they had to be sure yeah. they hadn't missed anything. Yeah. They had to make sure that I'll check 22 places just to reaffirm what I thought I knew in the first place is correct, which it was correct. Mm. But I couldn't have written it unless I checked all this research. Mm. So sometimes, yeah, they do this, but it's really hard because that's their comfort. It is. So you can't just say you don't need to do that, but I do. And and their writing is the first thing you've got to get them to write. Once mm. they're starting to write, it'll start moving, but then you can start shaping it. Mm. You can once you're getting once you're getting something out, you can help them shape what they're writing. You can't shape it until they've written it. Mm. Yeah, until they're actually starting to write, and you're going, okay, so that's what you're writing is, wow, you've written um, 500 words on a bubble on top of a can of Coke. <laughs> yes. Wow. We were just writing about how it tastes, but we've gone into 500 words. So how can you reform that? How can you, how again, it's helping them, and you're going to go back to your board, and what was the focus of this? What were we working mm. towards? What is it we should be writing about? Let's breaking it down into the smaller bits, because once you have that framework, gives them the rules to write to yeah so again as well as the cocktails being mi a mix-up of different needs mm. we've also revisiting a lot of the same strategies with these different cocktails yeah yeah you are you are yeah i, I realize Which reforms that again yeah we're mixing lots of different so all the children with this there's a lot of dyslexia tendencies different ways using mm -hmm. the same strategies for this so again it just shows you how children aren't just a child with ASD or a child mm, with ADHD. Comorbidities. It's just yeah. a cocktail of them. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Ada Shelby, nearly the end. I've got checking Claire. Okay. So here, Ada Shelby will be 40 mils of sex and si a single malt Irish whiskey, 15 triples sex, such as Pontro, 15 mils of strawberry liqueur, and 20 mils of fresh orange juice. So, Claire, this girl was really interesting. She has slow processing skills, weak comprehension skills, poor inference skills, is unable to follow oral or written instructions and doesn't remember anything the teacher has said. She just can't remember anything. Sometimes it is as if the information has gone through one ear and out the other. So those instructions have to be repeated many, many times. She likes to be able to work from a mini whiteboard like we quite often do or a piece of paper next door to her desk with specific instructions. And But she finds it so much easier if the teacher links it to a famous person, a member of her family um, that she's already aware of or knows. And quite often in health and social care, I would link it to her sister who was a nurse, and then she could just sit there and write it out. 
really easily. And it was that context and that link and that related. It was too abstract. Yeah, yeah. And then she suddenly got it. She could do it. It's the same things. You sit there and I remember uh, hear about the heart pumping and you told me all about the heart yeah. and the uh, this before that and all this lot. And you sit there and you see a heart and I literally going, that is inside. It's beating and it's, wow, that's amazing. And then I met someone who'd had a heart transplant. Wow. And she she had a dress on and you could see the top of the scar. Yeah, and in yeah. my head, I'm just literally going, opened your chest out, up. they took your heart out and put a new one in. Mm. That's just phenomenal. It is. Science is amazing. Science is amazing. And you just sit there and you helps me just think about the complexity of it, how amazing we are, how clever we are, and things like that. And it just and it, it gives me some good context. It helps mm. me sit there and when I look at the heart, things like that, and you hear about people having problems in the stems. Stints, sorry, not stems, stents. stints in there. Stents open mm. it up and the mm. bowels and things like that. And Seeing it all and we can take it all out again helps me sort of sit there and go, you can get things in there. It's not that tiny. It is quite big. It is mm. quite robust. You can take it out and put it in. And the more I have knowledge about something, the more experience I have around it, the more it helps me understand it, mm. the less abstract it becomes. Yeah. And for her, we had to link it to something she was already familiar with and then she could do it and she could flourish and she could write away, which was really, really amazing to see that. And Dale, do you know what's going to happen now? What? We're going to have the last drink. Okay, <laughs> so here we go. Bet you everyone's thinking that's champagne. That's mine. <laughs> that's yours. Enjoy the drink. Cheers. Excellent. We're going to talk about Memory, melody. Melody. Only remembers 5% of what the teacher actually says and so gives up easily. She has to have everything explained in bite-sized chunks over and over again so that she knows what to do. She is the reason for me developing my multisensory teaching methods from 2014 to help her remember information about the anatomy exam. Wow. Cheers to Thanks, that, Melody. Dale. Yeah, I, I think is we, we all don't listen sometimes, don't we? We all sit there and uh, occasionally my wife does actually catch me out. I, I wasn't listening. And you sit there and go, why is it I just wasn't listening? And it was, and sometimes I could be half listening. So I'm not really paying attention, but I seem to know what's going on over there. Even not really listening, I can hear it and go, ooh. So when are we doing this? And I'll hear it. Other times she'll walk straight past me and I'm completely oblivious. And, and it, as when I think that is, it's like, I, 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 can't, I like go, how is it only retaining 5%? Is it something that they're literally just, I want it, and oh, shiny thing. Is it that sort of thing? <laughs> oh, shiny. Um, so, oh, it's a light. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, what are you saying, Susie? Oh, sorry. I just said a shiny thing. Oh, it's another one. <laughs> Dust, oh, it's dust. Oh, let's watch the dust. Oh, look at, look at the dust floating in the light. It's yes. amazing. Dust floating in the light. Do you, ever, do you ever see those spectrum that come on the side of your glasses or, or through the window? Yes. Do you ever sit there as the windows move? And you go, Roy Beard, Roy Beard, Roy Beard. Yeah, Richard York gave back in vain. Yeah. I don't do that bit, but I do the rocking. But <laughs> I literally, I spent many assemblies as a child just sitting there watching the dust falling. 
no idea what's going on. And so I sit there and I see things like that. And I sit there and it's like, it's either it's not interesting to them. Yeah. Or it's not being delivered in an interesting way. Yeah. Which for Susie probably doesn't happen because Susie is amazing. But that helps you develop. So it was mm-hmm. how it was being delivered. Mm-hmm. And I would say the fact you're a sixth form college doing a specific course would tell me that they're motivated to learn about that. So they've chosen that course. So in theory, they're obviously an interest in the topic. It's a sensory. But I think lower down when you're doing, especially like the first two, three years of secondary school, where you're doing every subject, whether you like it or not. Mm. And you're learning about history. You go, I don't care about history. I want to do geography or I'm mm. learning German and I want to do French or vice versa and things like that. You've got children who aren't motivated. And why should they be if they're not going to do it? Mm. And this is where, again, Finton or Regan talking about formity or actually letting people excel and shine at what they do. Mm. And I do think a number of children don't really shine until they get out of the education system mm-hmm. And they don't have to perform. Yeah. They can so sit there learning. and sit at their desk and do it their own way. So, why are you doing that? That's a really bad. Oh, oh, it's working. Oh, oh. And, um, and, you, and there's things that you do and skills you will not realize you have until you get into the work environment and you do it the way you do it. Mm. And then you realize no one else is. And you shine. And you shine. Shine brightly. Because you're finding your own solution to a problem without being told you have to do your sums this way, you have to do your multiplication this way, you have to do your division this way, we have to learn about this topic. Why? Because an exam on it that every single child in the country has to learn about Shakespeare. Why? It's the way we do it. It's the way we've always done it. It's not great. Whereas hopefully when they can go into a job they want, they get mm-hmm. some qualifications towards it, they get the job they want to do or an industry they're interested in, they will shine, they will do things, they try things, and hopefully they'll find an environment which allow them to take risks and reward them. Mm. And I think for a lot of children who are neurodiverse, I'm not a huge fan of the way school is at the moment. And I think that getting into the work world is amazing. And I think there are a lot of companies who are realizing the power of neurodiverse people in a fresh way of looking at things or OCD people working in labs and doing the same test again and again and making sure it's mm. not wrong. Mm. There are lots of benefits which just don't always fit in the school way of doing things. Ernst & Young, or EY, um, are actively recruiting diverse people. have been working with um, Made by Dyslexia to write up information about recruiting you know, diverse people. Um, they've written some really interesting um, articles about it. And I think survive or thrive. Mm. I think lots of neurodiverse, I think all they're going to do through secondary is survive. Mm. But once they get out of that conformity, once they are more into project-based, find a solution to this, or you're going to do this, and you can go do it your own way, Mm -hmm. then you're going to start to thrive. Then you're going to see it your own way. So the girl doing the cartoons. Mm. Mm. Yeah, she didn't know. No, don't draw. Write your notes down, revise. Mm -hmm. I draw. Doing it her own way, she shines. She finds her talent. She sees how it impacts other people. She would have hopefully seen that as other people read her comics or she might mm-hmm. have shared it, they went, oh, ah, I get it now. So she's now sharing. 
there's a lady called um, Rebecca Burgess mm. who did a little cartoon called Understanding the Spectrum, which is all about explaining how autism isn't a scale from not autistic, very autistic. Mm -hmm. It's more like a color wheel. Yes. And there's lots of different shades. Mm. And you might have, um, let's say, um, social interaction, flexibility, or emotional regulations. And actually, you've got, everyone's got a different thing. They've got a different mm. score in each of these areas mm. and maybe different contexts makes things. And it's just everyone's a slightly different shade. Because mm. it is a spectrum. It is. It's not a scale. Mm -hmm. And so she's a lovely cartoon, and I've used it, and she says use it because it's mm -hmm. a great way of sharing that information. And it is great. And, yeah, Rebecca Burgess, I'm spectrum. I think it's just Rebecca Burgess Autism. You'll find it. But it's a, great, it's a great visual way. So people have this skill where you give them information, they take it, and they share it with you in a way that makes sense for them. Dale, it's going in the book of knowledge. It's going in there now. You know, I've known Susie now, I think 18 months, maybe longer. And this is the first time anything I've said has gone into a book of knowledge. I'm just going to take a moment to uh, cherish this moment. <laughs> okay. <Get> a drink. <laughs> why not? And Dave? a Percy pig. Oh, why not? And it's um, Rossi Stone in Scotland. He's developed Deco Comics through this whole idea of using comics to help children learn, you know, um, the topics at school. Because when he was doing his hires, I think you call them, he found it really difficult to remember information. And he, he went all out on one of his exams and he just drew it all as a sequence of comics um, and, and cartoons. And, and he got an A for that paper and then realised that was the way that he learnt and that's the way he was going to share that. And now he has his own deco comics company. He makes wow. cartoons and goes into schools and does special workshops with them about drawing cartoons and you know how it helps people to remember things. I love it. There's um the, the author of Captain Underpants. Oh, he's great, isn't he? Was uh in his front of his book is his little foreword, where uh, I think one of his teachers told him he'll never spend his life drawing silly things or something. It was just one of these things. I've, 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 everyone's probably seen it on Facebook, whatever. This little thing where his teacher told him, "We're never going to spend your life. No one wants to do that. Do something useful with your life." Type thing, and it's like, yeah, he is. He is. He's love. His ideas is not only giving him a life, a career, a mm -hmm. job, something he enjoys doing, but it's inspiring so many other people. So it's, many children that read his yeah. books. It's amazing. So um, going back to what you mentioned in the previous podcast, how you aren't just teaching one generation, it's five generations, mm. things like that. It's your, how you inspire that person can go on to inspire so many other people. Yeah, and when you see them in your class, you've taught the mothers, the daughters. I know I've done too long if I've teached grandchildren, to be honest. I, I need to retire. <laughs> that will be one of the moments you'll sit there and just go, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. But looking looking at it today as cocktails, it's been amazing, Dale. Hey. I've really, really enjoyed that. And and now, you know, my Peaky Binders book with all my little post-it notes in there, all the different students I can think of as I go through. Now, Dale? But now, if you just think of that cocktail book, yeah. gin as autism, yeah. um, rum as ADHD, and vodka as dyslexia, and just you see them all mixed together, yeah. that's the children. It's not a case of this is this child. Mm. Sometimes they're not mixed. Sometimes dyslexia isn't with all. Sometimes it is. There's other things. Lots of other things. And those little sprigs you put on to make it look pretty, that could be external influences. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Loved, loved that metaphor. Excellent. I'm going to shut the book now, Dale. You shut that book. 
So, Susie. Yeah. Thank you so much for entertaining me <laughs> for that last hour. Thank you, Dale. Thank you for sharing the drinks. Um, clicking the, the glasses, the Percy pigs. We've had fun. We did. Yes. We did. So Sharing thank you so much. Sadly, uh, Susie isn't releasing a cocktail book anytime soon. So uh, there won't be videos of her making them after drinking half of them. Mm. That won't be available either. Sorry. But yeah, absolute blast. Um, and Susie has given me some things to share with you all. Various. They've all got Susie Nyman at the beginning, so they must be all her books. Mm. So, um, You'll find them in the show notes and on our website. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website, which is www.thesendcast.com, and you'll find a link to all the different platforms we are on. And don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at The Sendcast, and on Facebook and Instagram, we are simply The Sendcast. And if you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, suggest topics, give us feedback or anything else, please message us on social media or send an email to hello at thesendcast.com. And if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, why not look into everything else we do here at B Squared? As well as the Sendcast, we host the virtual Send conferences. And these are a great way to get CPD around SEND to all staff that is extremely effective, but also affordable. And every conference has 12 sessions, with each session being around 50 minutes long. And that means they can be used in the after-school staff meetings, or they can be used on inset days. B-Squared, we are known for our assessment products to help schools show small steps of progress for people with SEND. And if you're a school in England, still confused by the engagement model, head over to the B-Squared website and check out our blog. You'll find a couple of blogs about the engagement model. And we also do assessment conference for schools in Scotland and the new curriculum for Wales over Wales. You can find out about our conferences, our assessment software, our blogs, webinars on the B Squared website, which is www.bsquared.co.uk. And you can book a free online meeting to find out more about anything we do, or you can drop me an email by sending an email to dale at bsquared.co.uk. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you very much, Dale. You are welcome. And goodbye to Percy Pig, who's about to be eaten. Yes, he is. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.